In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Today, we have heard a story of boldness, but also a story of humility. And who we commemorate today, St. Xenia, the Fool for Christ of St. Petersburg, as we will see, demonstrates for us, oddly enough, even though she is a Fool for Christ, a very practical way to live our lives, which we'll get to. First, in the Gospel reading, we are confronted with the blind Bartimaeus. Though he's not named in this Gospel, he's named in the other Gospels. And he has such great boldness before Christ. He does not let anyone stamp out his voice of his cry out to Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. So where does his boldness come from? Where, why does he not simply stop and let the crowd silence him? It is because he knows who Jesus is in his crying out for the Son of David. He is summing up all of the Old Testament, all of the scriptures, in saying that this is the one that is testified. This is the one. It was a title of kingship, a title of the coming Messiah. And so, though in this gospel it just says they tried to silence him, we know that the they, the, the faceless they of this gospel, are those who did not want this to be brought out. They did not want to be the knowledge and the word of Christ to be brought out, that this is the coming Messiah one. This is the one to whom healing could happen. So Bartimaeus was not silenced. And we can take a lesson from Bartimaeus as saying, we too should not be silenced. The fathers turn this and make it internal. And they say that so often our passions and the things and cares of this world are the things that are shouting at us when we're trying to cry out to God, it is useless. Why do you call out to him? He won't hear you. He can't do anything. But Bartimaeus does not believe this. And this is the lesson we should take from him today. That boldness before God, when we know who he is, that we should continue and be persistent in our cry to him. And then Christ turns to him, having heard him, and says, he asks a curious thing. Even though he's the all-knowing God, he says, what do you want me to do for you? What is it that you can, that I you are asking, why are you calling out to me? And so he asks Bartimaeus to name that particular thing that he wants. It's obvious. He's a blind, begging man. But he still says, name your illness, and then, I can, and then I will heal it. And so he does. I want to receive my sight. And with one simple word, he says, receive it. Receive. And he is healed. So the second lesson we can learn from Bartimaeus is that when we get the ear of God, when we feel that that time has come, that we can name what it is that we desire and name it properly, that we want his salvation and his healing, and then he will give it readily and immediately. As Bartimaeus did, he received his sight. So this is important. How does this become practical? It becomes practical in our confessions. So often we come to the priest and it's the same list. It's the same thing I did last time, Father. You know because I do it every time. Or you even may have a sense of shame, of the blindness, of not being able to overcome this thing. 
or that it is persistent. But it is important to name that illness for which you are asking healing, and then God will show up. This is what Bartimaeus tells us, to have boldness, but also mixed with humility. And this brings me to the second point that I would like to bring out. There is a relationship for which this gospel teaching and the epistle teaches us today between humility and holiness. It seems, from a worldly perspective, that the better you are at doing something, the better you are in the Christian context of fulfilling the commandments, the more you should be not humble, that you should be proud of your accomplishments, right? This is what the world teaches us, to be proud of all the things that you've accomplished, to be proud of what um, you don't even have to think about anymore, that you do. But this is not the Christian way. Saint Dorotheos uh, of Gaza, one of our very early saints, tells us that there is a mystery hidden here, that the more we are holy, the more that we fulfill the commands of God, the more humiliating it is, the more that we become humble. And he says that this is the mystery for which Bartimaeus is teaching us today. This is the lesson for which we can enter into the mystery of the relationship between holiness and humility and the mercy of God. And he tells us three practical things to do. He says, always count yourself as lower than everyone else. And that any virtue you may have, don't count it as your own. It's not something that I, Father Simeon, possess, but rather it's something that is a gift from God. Any good thing that you do, do not count it as your own, but as the work of God through you. It is God's work solely. And then he says that we must always stand within this mindset of both, that I am lower than everyone else, and that anything good that I might do is because of God. And in this way, we enter into that mystery. We stand there and we are able to draw close to God. And then he draws another curious image for us. One that I think is apt in our times. He says that the virtues are like a tree that is laden with great fruit, that is so heavy with fruit that the branches bend back down to the earth, that the tree which normally when it has no fruit, it's reaching up to the heavens. Its branches are up, but when it is laden with fruit, it bends back down to the earth and takes a humble position. And some, I remember I had a peach tree growing up that became so laden with peaches that literally the branches touched the floor and the, the fruit was even on the floor. And I had a little dog that loved it because it was only yay high and it could actually reach them that time and it would gorge itself on peaches. And this is the image of which that gaining of virtues in God, that he, all we do is we continue to count ourselves lower than everyone else, and that any virtue that we do have, those things which have the connection to heaven, the virtues, the things that connect us to God, the things that draw his grace close and tell him we want more and more of it, then we have the fruit that is on the tree, the branches of our soul, and the tree's branches come back down to the earth, and all of those who we know, those who we are close to, those who we meet day in and day out, those we work with, they're able to taste the sweetness of those virtues. And indeed, in the mystery even further, we can taste of that as well, the sweetness of God. So when we do these things, we are like a tree laden with fruit whose branches bend down 
in a humble position and know that these fruits are not ours, but that we can taste of them as God's grace to us. So, St. Xenia. St. Xenia of St. Petersburg. We think of her as a woman who accomplished feats that we could never accomplish. And indeed, this is true in one respect. She was a fool for Christ. She did things that seemingly made no sense until much later. She was able to spend all night in the freezing cold of Russia building a church, stone by stone. And she would come, she'd build the stone into the church, take some up to the high towers, lay some more down. The workers would come and realize that she had done already half a day's work for them. She did things like this, which are very hard for us to imagine. She would go about St. Petersburg and just pop into people's homes and bless their children or say a word to them. She would, and then something special would happen to them. The, the, or she would be able to advise somebody in, a weird, in, a, in some sort of weird cryptic way, which someone would take and they would go do, just because they began to know that this is the holiness of God manifested through St. Xenia. But the church doesn't call us to, through, our, through the hymnography, to copy those things exactly. Some of us may be called to that. Some of us, many of us, are not. But rather, we can take from the experience of what the hymnography tells us. We can say, along with those of St. Petersburg, because she is not simply a Russian saint. As you well know in this parish with her icon, there was that that had streamed oil and myrrh, that we can proclaim along with them in St. Petersburg that she taught us that they, we made known the bitterness of the world and that, the, that she lurketh in the sweetness of all the world's delights when thou didst show them the corpse hidden in honey of greatest price for thy seeming foolishness hid within it the heavenly wisdom of the Lord for through sorrows perfected thee and made thee a spring of endless wonders. O noble Xenia, our champion. We can proclaim with all of the world that she is our champion and take lessons from her. And then further, the church puts words into her mouth that are words to us to remember that the things of this world are not to be counted as the end-all be-all. And she tells us, O children and friends, why do you love vanity and seek falsehood? Why are you troubled and in vain? Behold me, Xenia, who counted all things as rubbish and gained freedom from every loss. Follow me, therefore, even as I followed Christ, and set not your hearts on riches that quickly pass away, that when the time cometh, you may dwell with me in the bride chambers of unending joy. So she is telling us to let go of transitory things of the world, to hold them lightly when they are here, and instead look for and work for eternal things. We may not be called to be fools for Christ, but we can listen to and emulate certain parts of her life. Maybe not those great things mentioned in her Dostokstikon for which we glorify her, because they are the, those things for which seem incomprehensible to do. But here's what we can do. How do we emulate her? How do we take little steps and adopt in little ways and draw close to the infinite one and gain some measure of infinity in our own life? How do we make that spiritual movement and that action which will bend our souls back to the earth like that tree and a humble recognition of our own unworthiness 
but laden with the virtue of God. It says that though we didn't hear it in the Vesper service, we, heard it, we would have heard it if we had served Aliti for her. She says that Holy Xenia was ever abiding in the field, keeping watch over her soul at night, singing doxologies with the angelic armies and weeping for the sinful world. That is that she did three things that we can do as well in our own small ways. We can be watchful against sinful temptation and flee the other way when it comes. Praise God and join in the heavenly worship as we're doing this morning. And we can feel sorrow and repentance for the sins of the world. First our own though, and then for the world. How we need to hear these words today. How rampant that we are not watchful. How often do we make excuses to not sing the praises of God when we are not in church or when we want someone else to do it on our behalf? And how often do we simply write away the sins of the world and count it as despair because it's just there? But she wept for it, and so can we. And by these spiritual movements, she knocked at the gates of heaven with prayer and sighing and weeping, as it says in the Expostolarian of Orthros that she was the light bringer. She knocked at the gates with prayer, sighing, and weeping. Christ and his saints are showing us that humility is the soil which seeds of God's grace are planted, and then the spiritual fruit can be born. We come to the church and her saints and are taught by them and by their words. Yes, chiefly by, their con- but by the chiefly of the content of their lives, not just what they wrote down. This fruit, their holy lives laden, with virtue of humility and the many other virtues. And the weight of this grace bends the branches of their souls back to the earth with its abundance and offers that sweetness back to each of us as we can encounter it. We too can take up this life and knock on the gates of the kingdom, just as she did. And we can take up and renew our commitments to knocking on the door of heaven found in our own hearts. We can continue to knock, knock like Bartimaeus cried out, as Xenia did in the field, calling out to God continuously. We can keep watch against sin and temptations. We can sing praises with the angels and then sigh and weep for the sins that we have. Do this in the interiors, in the, inside your heart, the altar. Many of the fathers call the heart the altar from which we can offer our own personal sacrifices and you will not be far from Christ's heavenly kingdom. You will taste the sweetness of it, even in this age. So Lord, help us in all things, whether in our lowly, sinful states as we are in now, or in the fulfilling of his commandments, to always turn to him as the true worker of virtue, to always knock on the door of heaven, found in the heart of each of us, his children. O Lord, help us, to hear thy word in sorrows and in joy, that we may respond to thy question, what is it that you ask of me? And we can say, Lord, grant me forgiveness and entry into thy kingdom. Amen.